Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38. This week, we have myself, Michael. We have Gladys and Mark. Uh, Sarah, this week, is actually flying across the Pacific Ocean, so we'll hear more about her story, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. And this week, we have a guest. We have Daniel Wood, uh, who is here to talk to us about Azure Active Directory Conditional Access. Uh, but before we get to Daniel, uh, let's take a look at the news. Uh, Gladys, what we got? I wanted to talk about Azure Defenses uh, for ransomware attack. Basically, we've been uh, releasing a lot of different guidance and other information for uh, protecting different workloads. Recently, we um, released an ebook that lays out key Azure native uh, capabilities and defenses for ransomware attacks. And it provides some guidance how to proactively leverage um, capabilities uh, to uh, protect the assets on, on Azure Cloud. It explains how can assets in the cloud be targeted, how the, the attacks succeed uh, different um, Azure native ransomware protection, including built-in capabilities, Azure Security Center detection recommendations and reports, Sentinel unified view. So there's quite a bit of information in, in here. It's only about 30 pages uh, with lots of images, uh, so it shouldn't take long to read. In addition, in public preview, we are providing a scale management of Azure Monitor Alerts in Backup Center. A few months ago, Azure Backup released in preview new alerting solution built in on Azure Monitor, which enable users to act on critical backup incidents. Well, now with this integration, we provide the ability to view backups-related alerts at scale across uh, bolts, and also slice and dice alerts by backup and specific uh, properties such as uh, workload type, bolts location, et cetera. We also uh, provide quick visibility at scale into the active backups uh, security alerts that require attention. We also are providing the ability to configure and manage notification, as well as how to get uh, actionable interfaces that enable navigation to virtual machines or storage accounts that require attention. Thanks, Gladys. So a few things caught my interest uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, the first one is to do with Azure SQL Database. They've now added some new roles that allow you to query pretty sensitive metadata, but without granting the need, or without the need, I should say, for admin access, like full admin access. So this is a really good example of you know least privilege, uh, essentially granting people just the privilege they need to do just the job they need to get done. Um, so it's great to see that. Next one is Azure Site Recovery uh, now will enable TLS 1.2 by default. In fact, only TLS 1.2 as of November the 15th, 2021. So you have about six weeks to get that done. Uh, it's not huge. I, I doubt many people will actually have a problem here, but you know just be aware that um, that that's coming down the down the pike. Um, next is for um, Azure Virtual Machines, there's now the ability to automatically perform key rotation. Um, so it's managed uh, automatically by Azure, and that's for customer managed keys. The next one is Azure Purview uh, has now just gone generally available. Uh, we had, back in May, 
Uh, we had Gopal Shankar was here to talk to us and also um, Arvind uh, Chandaka was here to talk to us about Azure Purview and Azure Information Protection. Uh, so it's nice to see that that's, uh, that's now gone GA. It's fantastic, fantastic product. It's there for data governance, being able to classify and identify uh, data and uh, sort of the lineage of the data uh, within your organization. Yeah, a couple of things from my side, both focused on OT, operational technology, and IoT security. For those that, uh, that, that weren't aware, Microsoft acquired a, a company called CyberX about a year ago or so. They've got uh, some great technology. We've got some great technology that helps with securing your OT environments. So SCADA, ICS, you know, supervisory control and data acquisition, industrial control systems, you know, those computers that control physical machinery um, or you know, monitor it, sensors and whatnot. And... Um, and so there's a, a couple of different uh, things that we published recently. Um, one is the uh, Defender for IoT Ninja training. And so there's, um, I think, somewhere in the order of like 30 videos or so. And then uh, documents and PowerPoint slides and, and uh, other resources as well to sort of learn about this technology, learn about actually securing uh, these kind of environments. So all you know, free, downloadable, watchable uh, kind of stuff. Um, so we got a link for that in the, uh, in the show notes. And then also, I uh, recorded a video with uh, Hafid Alabdalawi, who actually is a former CISO of uh, Duke Energy, one of the uh, largest power companies, if not the largest in the U.S. I can't remember. In the, uh, but he's actually an executive security advisor uh, over at Microsoft now. And so he and I talked about the uh, OT reference architecture, um, security reference architecture um, that we included in the cyber reference architecture, the MCRA. Um, and we really kind of go through all the different nuances, what kind of security controls are there and possible, which ones don't work, what's different between IT and OT. And so, uh, yeah, a couple of resources to kind of help in that space now. Okay, so now that we have uh, the news out of the way, uh, let's get to our guest. Uh, this week we have Daniel Wood. Uh, Daniel is here to talk to us about Azure Active Directory conditional access. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. We'd like to spend a moment and, and introduce yourself to our listeners. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on. It's great to be here. So, uh, hey everybody, my name is Daniel and I'm a program manager on the identity security team. And I'm one of the product owners for Azure Active Directory Conditional Access. This is a, a topic that I'm really excited about. So I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions, Daniel. Um, so why don't we start with uh, explaining a little bit about what Azure Active Directory Conditional Access is. Sure. So conditional access is a security feature in Azure Active Directory, and it basically lets organizations control which users have access to which resources under certain conditions. And then you can also enforce controls such as multi-factor authentication or compliant devices or other sorts of controls as well. And the, the main reason why customers love conditional access is because you know, their users are no longer just accessing on-premises apps from a desktop computer at the office, right? We've seen uh, that over the past number of years, we've seen a trend where users are now accessing company resources from personal devices and mobile devices in the office and on the go or at home. And this is all at the same time that adversaries are increasingly trying to access those same resources as well. So um, it's really possible to use conditional access to lock down access to just the right people needing the right resources under the right conditions. 
So one thing that I have seen is that uh, people are not aware of common verifications that uh, they could use. Uh, they, they are aware of some basic ones. Can you uh, describe some of the verifications? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was mentioning, when you configure a conditional access policy, there are a number of controls that you can require during authentication. And so probably the most common one that you hear about talked, being talked about would be requiring multi-factor authentication. Um, and there's a lot of nuances there, like you could require multi-factor authentication, you know, when there's a high-risk sign-in or medium-risk sign-in or, you know, every hour or once a day or at the end of your session. But then there are also a number of other controls as well. Um, you can require compliant devices, um, those that are managed by Intune. You can require hybrid Azure AD join devices. Um, you can also restrict access from specific lists of approved client applications. Uh, you can even enforce terms of use or other custom controls as well. So uh, how do we recommend uh, deploying conditional access? How much effort it requires? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I would say a lot of the customers that I talk to you know, in some cases can be a little bit worried or nervous about turning on a conditional access policy because, you know, maybe before turning it on, most people were used to just having access and they didn't have to uh, worry about getting prompted or needing a compliant device. So there's definitely this sense, uh, perhaps among admins, that it might be difficult to deploy conditional access. Um, when in reality, we've actually done a lot of work to make it really easy and simple to deploy and also make it a predictable outcome. So one of the things that I always say is that one of the first oaths that an IT admin takes is very similar to you know, a doctor. You take this Hippocratic oath to first do no harm. And we think the same thing really applies to conditional access admins as well. Ultimately, these admins are trying to create the best experience for their users. And so one of the ways that we recommend deploy conditional access is to use what we call report-only mode. So what you can do is you can first turn on a policy in this sort of audit mode where it will log how many users would have been prompted for MFA, how many users would have been blocked by your policy, how many users would the policy have applied to. And then it generates a report and all these logs where the admin can look at the summary of the activity and they can understand whether they configure the policy the way that they wanted to or whether they need to go in and maybe adjust the policy so that um, it doesn't apply to certain applications or under certain conditions. So once you've run the policy in report-only mode. We also have another tool called the what-if tool, which basically lets you plug in a user and some sign-in situations. You could say, I want to pretend what happens if I'm a guest user signing in from outside the corporate network from my personal mobile device accessing some corporate sensitive data. And you can click the what-if tool and it will basically simulate the authentication and tell you which policies would apply and what would happen. So after you do those two steps, you know, most customers have a good sense of what the policy is going to do. You could go ahead and slowly roll out your policy. Uh, some customers like to start off turning on a policy in a test tenant to get a feel for what it looks like. Um, or if you're rolling it out in production, you can roll it out in rings. So you could start out with a small group of users uh, in one organization, and then you can slowly add groups to your conditional access policy until it's deployed throughout your organization or wherever you want to deploy it. I love that do no harm idea. I think that's fantastic. I mean, I think I think that's something that actually a lot of security people could probably learn from, right? I mean, the number of customers that I work with where, you know, security is there to kind of like just say no 
and almost shut the business down. And you could argue that that's you know doing a lot of harm to the uh, to the business. So I, I love that idea. I think it extends way beyond conditional access, though. But yeah, that, I just love that. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're thinking about applying that same thought process to other security features as well. You know, you can imagine there should be a report-only mode for for every security feature. Really. Yeah. Well, let's you know, let's take another example, right? I mean, as your policy. Right? I've seen people say, "Yeah, we need to just turn this as your policy on. If we break stuff, then we break stuff." It's like, no, you can't just go breaking stuff left and right. Do it in a well-thought-out way. But again, I just love that idea. It's like, do no harm. I just, I think that's fantastic. I think, I think if a lot more security professionals thought that way, I think there'll be a lot less friction between business owners and security in the, in the long run. But yeah, so I love that. I think security folks out there who are listening to this, you know, take that to heart. I think that's fantastic advice and a fantastic sort of mantra to live by. I, I, I really, really do. It is good to turn on all this uh, conditional access, but how can an administrator get insight whether it's working or how well it's working in the environment? So over the past year, we've made a number of investments in our reporting capabilities for conditional access. And we have a number of ones that exist today and also a number that we're going to be announcing in just a few weeks at Ignite. So if you're interested in conditional access, I encourage you to tune in and uh, we have some really big announcements coming. But in terms of what we have available today, we have an insights and reporting workbook that's built in through conditional access. And this basically allows you to see an overview of the impact of your conditional access policies for your tenant. So what you can do is you can select, you know, say, an individual uh, conditional access policy, maybe one that blocks legacy authentication. And you could say, okay, for this conditional access policy, I want to understand you know, what are the common applications that were blocked. Uh, which are my users that were impacted. And so you can use this dashboard and this workbook, which is built on top of log analytics to analyze your data. Um, and um, as I sort of alluded to, if you stay tuned to Ignite, we're going to be releasing a brand new conditional access dashboard, um, which will have a number of recommendations and actions that you can take as a conditional access admin, basically responding to insights that we've collected from your sign-in logs and the activity of your users in your tenant. So you mentioned signing logs. Um, when exactly does the verification takes place? Uh, are there triggers through the session, starting the session, or if something changed uh, within the session? That's a great question. And it really has evolved over time. I would say at the very beginning, yeah, and this is probably what most admins are, are used to, is conditional access is evaluated at the beginning of the session. You can sort of think about conditional access as being the front door to the applications. Uh, so yeah, so you, you sign in, maybe you have an interactive prompt and you get a token for the application that you're accessing. And Conditional access is absolutely evaluated there. But also when that access token expires and you use a refresh token to get another access token, uh, that happens silently in the background. And every time you get a new token, conditional access is evaluated again and again. But you, as you mentioned, there may be some security events, maybe in the middle of your session, and you may want to cut off access. And so we've been investing in something called Continuous Access Evaluation, or CAE, which basically provides near instant revocation for sessions to certain apps, starting with you know Microsoft first-party apps like SharePoint, Teams, Exchange, when we notice some sort of sensitive security event. So this could include things like we noticed that you had elevated user risk. Maybe we discovered your, your password or credentials on the dark web, and, and so we've updated your user risk. 
or maybe you reset your password or your device came out of compliance, or maybe you were terminated and your, your, your account should definitely not have access to any applications. So this near instant revocation channel through CA is a really good way to make sure that we can enforce these policies, you know, in the middle of the session. And the one last thing I'll say is uh, last Ignite, we announced something called authentication context, which is basically a new way for conditional access to become evaluated within an application. So you can imagine, let's say, a SharePoint site where first you access SharePoint and maybe uh, one conditional access policy will apply. But then within SharePoint, you may want to um, access some sensitive content or perform some sensitive action. And that can actually trigger an authentication context, which will then go and evaluate conditional access again. So really, conditional access has become a really powerful tool for evaluating access um, you know, at the beginning of the session, but also during authentication context triggers. And now with continuous access evaluation or CAE, we can do near instant revocation events for security events as well. If I'm right, so conditional access is an Azure Active Directory thing. So how does this relate to Active Directory, if at all? Our customers have the requirement that their users are accessing apps from anywhere. And there are all sorts of apps. You have SaaS apps, you can have line of business apps, and also on-premises applications. So um, if you're asking about how you can apply conditional access policies to protect your on-premises resources, yeah, absolutely. And we have a solution built in through Azure Active Directory called App Proxy, where basically you can set up a configuration so when your users are signing in, uh, they first get routed through Azure AD sign-in. Uh, when they try to access a, an endpoint for an app that's sitting on-prem, it would first go to conditional access, and you can enforce any of the same policies that you would for any other application. And then if you succeed, then you would be granted an access token to that app on-prem. I really love App Proxy. It's basically an edge uh, type of security approach, uh, especially when we build it or when you uh, use conditional access. Let's talk a little bit about MFA. What are MFA rankings? How do you use them? As I mentioned before, multi-factor authentication is probably the most common control for conditional access. And on my team, one of the things that we're really laser focused on is increasing the percentage of sign-ins that are protected by MFA. Our research shows us that you are, uh, you know, you get 99.99% protection by using MFA as opposed to single factor authentication. So it's a really great way to prevent your account from being compromised. But with that being said, we favor some authentication methods over others. So uh, one of the things that we've been really focused on is introducing passwordless authentication methods. Um, these are methods like the Authenticator app, Windows Hello for Business, and FIDO tokens. These are all really strong, um, they're phishing resistant, and uh, they no longer rely on a password. And they're really strong methods. Um, and then there are some other methods that are really popular, but you may want to consider switching out of, such as uh, SMS or text messages. Um, you know, it's not very common that we see SIM jacking, but it is definitely a security concern. And we think that it's probably a more seamless experience for you to be using other solutions like the Authenticator app. I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, that the authenticator is uh, phishing resistant. Uh, I have seen customers that have been a bit confused with authenticator uh, since you could have the SMS authentication or phone authentication and they don't realize uh, the difference. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, there's a bunch of benefits that you also get from using the Authenticator app. For example, I think we'll soon be releasing the capability for you to report notifications that you got out of the blue that may have been prompted by an adversary trying to sign in. You can even see your sign-ins or risky sign-ins recently from within the app as well. It's, it's a much more integrated authentication experience. So one thing that I, um, I think customers uh, get confused is there's conditional access of, uh, that are user-based, but there's also uh, conditional access uh, through Intune. Can you explain how they interconnect or are they separate? They work together? So if you're in the Microsoft Endpoint Manager uh, console, you will see that you do have the capability to create conditional access policies, and, and the two are really the same. And we've created a great integration with our partners over at Intune so that you can require users to be coming from a compliant device when they sign in. And so you can require that as one of the grant controls in conditional access. And the way that works is we share intelligence and signals about that device. And basically all it is is the Intune team sets a flag in Azure AD that basically tells us whether the device is compliant or not. And when you sign in, we look at that device fingerprint. We cross-reference that with um, our device directory. We can, we can tell whether that device is compliant with all the rules in Intune. And then based off of the result, we can either let you in or tell you that you've been blocked and you need to update your device. If I remember correctly, we also integrate with NDE or uh, Defender for Endpoint, and we could uh, do conditional access if it shows indication of compromise. Is that right? Yeah. So we have a number of partners that we work with to gather signal intelligence that helps inform the risk profile of the user and of the signing. So for example, if your device has malware or uh, it's not the proper version, um, or there's you know suspicious activity that we've noticed uh, related to that device, that does inform some of the signals for risk protection and identity protection for Azure AD. Um, so, for example, if you were to create a policy that blocks access to maybe low-risk or medium-risk sign-ins and your device had malware or a virus or something like that, yeah, that would actually trigger a risk event in Azure AD and you'd be able to block access. So with conditional access, what kind of principles can I apply conditional access policies to? So up until now, policies were really just applied for users accessing applications. But we've seen over the last year that adversaries are really taking advantage of service principles and applications to access sensitive resources in your environment. And so we are about to release conditional access for service principles, or what we'll be calling conditional access for workload identities, which will give admins the ability to now finally apply conditional access policies to your service principles in your environment, which are then accessing other sensitive resources or applications. So this is a whole new paradigm shift for conditional access, and it's a way to provide much more comprehensive coverage to make sure that any identity type, whether that's a user or a service account or service principal, is accessing you know, your sensitive resources and you can control that access. But we wouldn't necessarily apply the same requirements, right? I mean, so for example, if there's a requirement that says a you know, something that seems like a risky sign-in from a user, you know, requires a multi-factor authentication. We couldn't apply that to say a service principle though, right? Great question. So you're, you're totally right that the conditions and the controls for policies that apply to users are, are very different than 
the conditions and controls that may be applicable for service principles. And so you will see that, you know, right out, right out of the gate, when we first introduced conditional access for service principles, you know, there's a much more limited set of conditions and controls. Um, and that's because obviously service principles are different from users in many ways. They don't provide multiple authentication methods when they sign in. There's no sequence of orders, but also they don't forget their password ever, right? So typically the service principle gets it right every time. And it's really easy to distinguish between risky service principle behavior versus risky user behavior because service principles aren't usually guessing wrong and they're not usually misspelling the password by a couple of letters and stuff like that. So we will absolutely be changing the conditions and controls that are applicable for policies that apply to them. Um, and I think some of the main use cases for service principle policies would be admins who want to just block access to service principles from outside their trusted name location. So that's probably the, the policy that we're going we're gonna to release with first. And then over the next year and couple of months, we'll be introducing some additional capabilities as well. Yeah, some customers I've worked with have been, I'm not going to say suspicious, but you know, kind of guarded about the use of service principles. So I think having this uh, sort of in your in your tool bag, I think is actually a, a huge benefit to some of those customers who do have some concerns about you know, protecting credentials related to uh, to service principles. This is uh, this is really great to see. Yeah, and as I said before, just tune in during Ignite because we'll we'll have a lot to announce on this subject. So just stay tuned. Daniel, can you talk a little bit about using conditional access to verify? whether the user is logging in from a particular device, uh, for example, using a secure access workstation? Yeah, so we've released another new condition recently, uh, specifically for uh, device filters. And we have the capability to now finally restrict access from certain types of devices as well. As we were talking about before, we've shared a lot of information with our device partners. And now that admins have the ability to tag devices as secure access workstations, we can now start to apply policies based off of that attribute. And so that, that's one way that you would be able to restrict access to some of these specific workstations. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I think, uh, it, like you just mentioned, it uses an attribute. So actually, there could be other uh, use cases uh, for testing different things. Uh. Absolutely. And, and in fact, attributes are not specific to devices. You can imagine adding attributes to your applications, attributes to your users, and you know, certainly attributes to your devices. So you're, you're totally right that having the ability to now tag objects in the directory and apply policies to them is a really big step forward. And so definitely stay tuned for a really big announcement we'll be making there. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of taking stuff that could be seen as being far from technical, perhaps even marketing, marketing terms like zero trust. You know, zero trust has some really strong technical underpinnings. So what sort of technical aspects of conditional access would you say apply to zero trust? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it is a little easy to get skeptical and say, okay, great. Well, like, zero trust, what does that really mean for an IT admin who's sitting at the controls of a conditional access policy trying to implement it? And I would say if you look at the, the principles behind zero trust, there is a couple that you can directly address in conditional access. So, you know, the first one is really requiring strong authentication all the time. You can absolutely do that with conditional access. You can require multi-factor authentication sometimes, all the times under certain conditions. And you can also verify explicitly. When we're thinking about zero trust, one of the other core principles is that you're not making any assumptions about who you trust depending on where they're signing in from. So rather than 
just allowing access from inside your corporate network, but maybe blocking or requiring MFA outside of the corporate network. If you're really trying to implement zero trust, what we would recommend doing is ignoring those location boundaries and instead focusing on the strength of the authentication by looking at signals like the device state or whether the device is hybrid Azure AD joint, stuff like that, which is a much stronger indicator of whether you can trust that uh, user signing in. So Daniel, one thing we ask uh, all our guests is if you had like just one final thought to leave our listeners with, uh, what would it be? Turn on MFA, just three words. And I, I talked about this earlier in the podcast, but it's really one of our biggest focuses uh, across the team. Just making sure that people are who they say they are when they sign in. The easiest way to do that is to require MFA. So that's it. I mean, some people like <laughs> their, their final thoughts are like a final stream of thoughts. Is, is yours literally just that, like turn on MFA? Turn on MFA. Doesn't get any simpler than that, I guess. But um, you know, to your point, you know, I've, I've seen some of the figures that show you know, the, uh, the incredible security benefits that come from enabling an MFA. So yeah, I would, uh, I would tend, to con- uh, tend to concur. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us this week, Daniel. Uh, I know you're very busy and I know you've uh, got some exciting things coming up at Ignite. So thanks again for taking the time to talk to us. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to this podcast. Hope you found it useful. I know I certainly did. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.